Welcome to Run to Thrive, a show for runners who are ready to live, lead, and run with more energy, engagement, and enjoyment in their everyday life. Each episode, you'll gain insight, inspiration, and motivation, and hear from leaders, influencers, and everyday heroes who run to fuel their success in life and work so that you can learn how to thrive on the run and beyond. I'm Matt Mills, professional life, leadership, and running coach. And I'm so excited that you're here so that you can discover how running can help you step into your greatest potential and develop a stronger body, mind, and spirit. Ready to go? Let's get moving. Today, I'm excited to be talking with Ian Ward. Ian, in his own words, is the luckiest unlucky man on the planet. At age 31, Ian was diagnosed with stage 3 brain cancer, which typically carries a life expectancy of one to five years. But as you'll hear from our conversation, Ian is someone who is always beating the odds. Right now, he's going for two world records in the marathon. And as you'll hear in our interview, he's striving for big goals to serve a bigger purpose for himself and others and have fun along the way. You'll hear from Ian about the importance of staying positive and how to use running to process your challenges, no matter how big or small they may be. Ready to go? Let's dive in. Welcome to Run to Thrive. How are you today? Yeah, very good. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Of course. So you are the self-described luckiest unlucky man on the planet. Why is that? So that is because I am or got diagnosed with a brain tumor. However, the way that I discovered that brain tumor was when I went in to do a medical trial that I was purely doing just to have, I had the free time and I mean, more money is nice. It wasn't out of desperation or anything (laughs) like that. And uh, I had done loads of those medical trials in the past. I did them while I had jobs. They'd be little things. Sometimes they'd, they'd fit in and you could just do one over the weekend and, you know, it wouldn't be a fun weekend, but it wouldn't be yeah. awful. Right. And um, the one that I was going into, uh, it was a medication, I think, to do with schizophrenia, but they needed people who didn't have schizophrenia. So they would do loads of tests first. And one of the tests that they had was an MRI that was aimed at the brain. Wow. So, and like, this was my fifth, maybe even sixth medical trial that I had done. And then... I've been living in the UK for nine years and working within the NHS myself for quite a few years. So very lucky if you think about it that way, what the chances were of deliberately taking this scam when I had no symptoms of dizziness or headaches or anything like that. Still don't. And once they discovered it, had it not been discovered, it would have become 100% cancerous. Tumors, tumors grow and then they change. And mine is at its, its growing stage. So I would have gotten symptoms, but by the time I had gotten them, it would have been cancerous and there would have been not much that they could have done at that wow. stage. So that's why I am the luckiest unlucky I, man in the world. I mean, just the timing of that and just by chance that you were doing this trial, they happens to give you an MRI. I mean, how many people have MRIs unless they have symptoms or there's exactly. something that's going on? So the fact that this happened to be part of those trials, 
yeah, that's I would say that's one of the luckier things to to happen. I went into those medical trials because uh, I think there was shifts that I really wanted that I got cancelled, and I was like, ah. Shit. Well, now, <laughs> now, what am I going to do over the weekend? I hadn't made any fun plans. So I still could get into that medical trial, I guess. And if I hadn't had those shifts cancelled, which seemed like an annoying thing at the time, then I wouldn't have gone in here. And then when they said you can't do the medical trial and get you know the money and do the do the weekend because yeah. you've got a tumor, it's like oh, that's a that's a bad thing. And then realizing, wait a minute, this is the best thing in the world, and I'm being denied this because when they first looked at it they said this is benign you found it early which means that this is not going to cause you any problems whatsoever so i wasn't worried in any medical sense it was only a little bit later that that sort of elevated once they did more advanced testing on it but at the time it was it was just like up and down up and down up and down with is this lucky is this not so it was discovered for you and then further on you received more of a diagnosis what happened after that so it was it was poorly timed with covid i haven't found the uh the well actually it was greatly timed with covid i'm not uh twist around yet but uh you never know maybe in a couple of years time it will pop out and what uh what happened was covid delayed what when my second um appointment was going to be I don't know how much of a difference that would have made, but it was only meant to be like a month till I got my second scan, but it ended up being mm-hmm. uh, six months. Okay. And it was just because the doctors were saying to me, your, your treatment is not, it's not an emergency. And right now having you come into the hospital is probably more dangerous, both for you and for potential people, because, you know, it's a, it's an epidemic. It's a, Things aren't being handled. No one's handling this like you know very well. Everybody's either like getting by or getting by slightly better. It's like yep. it's all a mess. And then once things calm down, they they have me back in for the the second uh, scan, and they saw that it still looked the same. It still looked benign and not threatening, but it was growing. And so that's like the next step that it takes. It expands first and then it twists uh, the DNA around. So I had a pioneer of brain surgery happen to work 15 minute walk down from where I live. I live in London. So like I would have been able to get transport to whatever um, uh, was a a center of excellence in -hmm. the city anyway, but still to be able to walk there was pretty, pretty handy. Yeah. And, he he told me that because it was growing, we had to go for brain surgery, and to try and cut some uh, some stories short, the I had to do it awake. It's called an awake surgery where you don't go under any anesthesia because oh my gosh. yeah yeah it was it was it was pretty horrible. So what they have to do is they because it was the left temporal lobe, and I'm right-handed. Uh, it means that it was going to affect my speech and my sight. So he was saying, all right, you can do it asleep, but then we're not able to test you during the surgery and see how, if you are getting dots on your bl- eyes, like black eye, uh, black dots where you can't see, or if you are slowing down with how quickly you can say, uh, that's a dog, that's a cat, that's a horse. Yeah. If you're then going, that's a... Um, 
cat that's uh like if you're delayed that's yep. enough for them to go okay we're in dangerous territory here we're going to ease off on that part and as you can probably guess it worked out pretty well so the within uh six days after the the speech impediments that i had were gone and yeah. it was back to normality within six days so it was a very successful surgery in that term yeah or in that way and what have the doctors said now uh, about the status of where you're at currently? So six days, a little bit after six days, like maybe eight days or seven, uh, I went in for a checkup with my doctor and he said, it's terrific news how quickly your speech has returned to normality. They had estimated from previous surgeries to uh, anyone that they would be doing the surgery on that it would take about six to uh, a year to heal up fully. The problem with that is that they were most people where they do this surgery, where it's a yeah. level three tumor that is not giving off any symptoms. That's usually people in their sixties because when you're getting into old age, you then start going in and getting random uh, medical checkups, even though you don't have symptoms because I mean, that's the time where people end up getting yeah. diseases, not, usually 30 year olds. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's you have to usually, yeah, you have to pay 30 year olds or anyone in their twenties to go see the doctor like yeah, you, you did for going for the, for pretty a, much, a yeah. medical trial, you know, but, uh, luckily there was money involved. So, uh, I went in and, uh, yeah, so the, they, uh, they did what was called like biopsies on the tumor. Once they had it actually out of my brain, they were able to do proper tests on it. And then they were able to determine, all right, this is a, a stage three. And again, with what we normally know data wise on paper, you should have a life expectancy. They didn't say this. I had to ask for it. Yeah. Apparently that's a, a rule with doctors. Um, but they, the way they were talking, it was just like, hang on. Like, uh, th this sounds like it doesn't go past 50. And they said, um, yeah, you got about one to six years on paper, but as you've demonstrated with how yeah. quickly your, your brain recovered from the, uh, the surgery, we don't know how long that really is. But 60-year-olds yeah. don't last longer than uh, six years on this. Yeah, so they're basing their, their data, their information from an older population that probably is going to be more affected from, from finding this than you are. Oh yeah. Like hugely. So again, comes back to that self-described luckiest man in the yeah. um, unluckiest man in the lucky world. Well, and what I love is that you have this optimism. That's interesting that I, I think would be really hard for a lot of people who are at any age to discover that this diagnosis, that this was happening to them. So that's pretty amazing. And what I love is that when you were diagnosed and someone says you potentially have one to five or one to six years left, I'm sure so many different possibilities come into your mind of what to do when you're given that information. And what I love is that you decided to pursue two world records, particularly around running. What were those? When my speech started recovering really quickly, I, I thought, oh, well, I should definitely try and 
do some charity work for this. Like this is, this is a victory. So sure. I need to give back here because I mean, there's a, a cancer society over here called the Macmillan trust. Uh, it's in Ireland as well. And they just threw some money at me because I had uh, sickness basically as well as hmm. the government already helping me with um, increasing the amount of money they're giving to people who are forced unemployed by COVID. So like I, I yeah. work as a fitness instructor. So I would teach fitness classes outside and indoors and all that sort of thing. And uh, they, they stopped that. They forcibly stopped that. So they were nice enough to also say, Hey, well, we're not just going to cut you, uh, cut you off here. We'll still give you something to get by on. But I I felt like I kind of had to give back in some capacity. And then, so I had this little, just a little silly thing just to earn a, a very small amount of money for charity where it was, um, I was taking the it was a shooting game and it was me taking the piss going like all right well I have a headshot so now every time <laughs> I get a headshot in the game you've got to give like one dollar one pound one euro and do it like a sort of a live stream thing so it's a bit entertaining and a bit fun and then when I got the the second diagnosis where I was like all right this is a little way more seriously than just slight problems in the way you speak. I then was sort of thinking, okay, I already had the idea of doing something charitable in my head. So I was like, all right, well, seeing as how the diagnosis has been cranked up, you've got to crank up the diagnosis uh, or the, the charitable the thing as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, both on the challenge and on the, the amount of money. So I started being like, okay, let's see, are there any records that are achievable, like realistically achievable? And so I started going through the Guinness Book of World Records' record list, which they have on their website. And I can't remember why, but I, I was drawn into the marathon one, probably because I knew about how fast... Marathons have this funny world record thing that they do, where if you go as something dressed up, like if you just go in a Halloween costume, you can get a, like if you, if anyone who wants to get a world record, if they just keep scanning through and scanning through and finding <laughs> the, t- the timers that aren't that impressive, you'll find one that you could get. And then you yeah. can be like, walking around like, Hey, I've got a world record. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I thought. Like, all right. Yeah. It's, it's a novelty. It's not actually that impressive, but like it still is interesting in some way. And so I came across the, the runners one and the runners one is achievable but god is it hard it's a sub three marathon and the best i ever got was three 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 so it's it's Mm -hmm. a gigantic amount of uh increasing a personal best and then also i'm sure there are video game characters out there that are not too difficult to run as but it still is going to be a slight added disadvantage to have to go dressed as a soldier or something yeah so so that world record is you're gonna have the fastest time dressed as a video game character have you decided which video game character no i've been thinking around and so far i reckon i'm gonna have to actually decide on the day depending on the london weather because (laughs) if it's too hot then i was thinking of going as a do you know solid snake yeah from yeah, Metal Gear Solid, yeah, yeah. Metal Gear yeah. Solid, yeah. So I was thinking that uh, that would probably suit. It's, you know, the bandana and eye patch. A lot of the clothes could be decent running clothes. But the only problem is, is if it's a hot, humid day, which it could be because it's April, yep. 
Yep. Wearing all those extra layers is going to be very, very tricky. And then the other thing that I was thinking of is if it is uh, raining too much, if I went as the, I can't remember what his name is now, but he's the, he's the guy who's the god of war. You'd know his face. It's like he's always white, like pale white. Yeah, okay. Uh, yep. Kratos, that's it, Kratos. And it's just like a red marker. So I was thinking, all right, well, that could work because that's the exact opposite. It's barely any clothes, so nothing to hold you down. <laughs> but then like chafing becomes a factor with skin on skin. So it's like, all right, well, it's not perfect. So I still definitely yeah. do not know for 100%. But I think you have options. I mean, it's oh, yeah, pretty much yeah. you can go with the one that's, you know, I'm, I'm sure everybody kind of comes to mind and asks like, oh, so you're going to be dressed as Mario? But yeah. then you got to then you got to wear the, the the hat and the suspenders and, and all of that. And, oh, yeah, exactly. God, horrible, horrible to run. Horrible. Yeah, yeah. So it, it doesn't seem like the Guinness Book of Records is that particular on who you're going to be running as. No, no. You can you can go as so many different things. Like we looked into me and my housemate were laughing our heads off when we were looking into this. So like that, I'm considering that like the ultimate goal. That's what I'm trying to achieve. But on the way, I'm probably going to, while I'm doing marathons to both promote it and to train, there's far more achievable ones. There's one for three hours, 47 minutes, and it's dressing as a patient. Interesting. Like that'd be easy to run in because that's just a gown. That's just a hospital gown. Yeah. So it's, you know, about 15 minutes later. Yeah, almost exactly. 40, um, 14 minutes slower than my best time ever and then it'd also be kind of funny to be like i'm actually a patient in real life as well <laughs> well now anytime i'm running a, a race or particularly a marathon anyone who's dressed up i'm just going to assume that they're going for a guinness book of records uh, if they're wearing something record. particularly weird then yeah they yep. probably are so there's there's that record and then so the other one too is the individual raise, uh, raising money by running a marathon. So that is your goal is just having the most amount of money, charitable donations for running a marathon. So yeah, that's the real one. So tell, tell me about that a little bit more. So uh, that one was, uh, uh, that record is actually hit by uh, someone who ran the, the London marathon. And uh, he has, he broke someone's record and then broke his own record, I think twice. So his current record is 3.7 million US dollars, 2.7 million British pounds, 5.1 Australian dollars, and I think 3.1 euro. Yeah. I I mean, whenever you're accomplishing any kind of goal, but these these are really impressive, huge goals that, especially for the raising money, I mean, that's, that's something that's really incredibly notable, especially when you, when you hit that goal. Yeah. And there's always a bigger why that we have around any of the goals, whether it's around running or not. So I'm curious, like, what is really the big why that you have from wanting to achieve both of these goals? Well, it is very up in the, up in the air with how, I, um, how long I've got left. I mean, above 60 is, is very unlikely. I would not expect that whatsoever. Uh, above 50, I'd be pretty happy with that. And then on and on it goes, getting sort of uh, more likely as I go down the line. But 
that cuts out family. It really, it does. Like, to not have, um, uh, even getting a wife would be something pretty strange because that's a, that's a hard ask to mm. be like, okay, I mean, like, I know I'm fun and all, I'm, I'm sort of handsome, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> now that I got this big C, but um, it, when it's like, I have no idea, it's going to be fairly soon, but do you still want to hang around, even though this is going to be really dramatic when I go? Because yeah. it's going to be like anxiety built up of this is going to happen soon on top of it's definitely going to happen. Like if a, if a spouse loses their partner very early, that's bad. But when you're expecting it as well, yeah. Yeah. I don't know a lot of people. I wouldn't want to have that elephant in the room that doesn't go away. That sort of enhanced sense of worry. So the sooner I'd sort of thought, right, the sooner you can just let that go and focus on something else that is not so much a legacy, but just to have, uh, to have left something behind where your footprint on the earth was better than it being there than not being there. So it was that sort of idea. And then the bigger reason for me would be simply to have something of meaning to get up and do. Because if you've got a, a shorter time limit, then there's no point in focusing on career yeah. yeah. What was it about setting these goals around the marathon or running that, that drew you to it? So I've previously done marathons, so I had the experience in them. And then I think it was also just knowing that uh, marathons have not only the charitable thing is, is tied to a marathon. It's a, it's a very specific one with the charita- charitable thing. It's uh, the most yeah. money raised as an individual while running the marathon. I think I just went in and just uh, was looking up and maybe I'll run a marathon for charity. And then was sort of tinkering around with, I wonder what the most anyone's ever raised for that. And when I saw that it was 3.7 mil, I was like, that's a lot, but could that be done? And then I started writing it down and then it just, the seed started, you know, becoming a plant. And then very quickly, it was just something that was fixated upon. And then when I then started thinking like, Oh wait, you could add another thing to that. And, one would feed the other because uh, if you're trying to break two things at the exact same time, well, that's going to attract interest, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and then just have it like compound upon itself where it's like, all right, well, there's a guy with cancer who's trying to run fairly fast marathons to break two world records for yeah. like raising the most money ever and also running a marathon pretty fast. So yeah, yeah let's watch that guy. Yeah, it's different than just saying, "Oh, yeah, I know you're you're raising money for climate change or for uh, saving world hunger," but there's a lot more meaning, obviously, for for you personally as well. What is the? Um, I'm curious to know what are the what's the money going towards that you're you're raising? Uh, so there's four because my plan was to do it through social media uh, as much as possible because it seems to be the easiest way for me because you can create what you want when you want how you want and uh put it up and the more you work the more content you can create which in some ways is good and then also you can kind of play around with uh doing different things and see oh that worked better that didn't work better maybe stop making as many dick jokes that's it they don't (laughs) seem to be working even though that's your favorite thing in the world Ian. you gotta workshop it you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, 
with that, I, I also thought that it would be a, an exponential growth thing. And there was always going to be high chances that if the right person just happens to see it and then share it with their friends, it could like catch a bit of fire. Yeah. And take then, off. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, you never know what it is that's going to go viral create attention and so yeah you got to try stuff out and look it's even the same with running it's like you don't know if you're going to start finish you're going to have a good time or not but you just got to get out there and then see what happens you see where kind of some of your strengths are where things that you kind of need to to work on and improve upon so yeah i mean that makes complete sense now so you've you've run the marathon before you're yeah. training again. Like, what is different about your training, particularly <laughs> since you have these two goals now, and also with your diagnosis, all of that? Like, what do you what do you find is going to be different with your training this time? So, at the moment, um, the difference is definitely the size of my body because as soon the the last marathon I ran was in 2013, and I've been doing loads of endurance stuff. I was doing triathlons. I was doing. Um, I was doing just alone bike races and I was just tapping yeah. in and doing a race here, race there every so often. And then after the marathon, uh, which was grueling and it, it was, I, I achieved what I wanted, which was a three, three and a half hours. Yeah. And then three, 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 I mean, three minutes off. I'm not going to beat myself no. hey. with that. I was, nope. Nope. I yeah. I was pretty satisfied with that. So, I mean, how are, how are you feeling about your training now? Cause you still have how long until, until the marathon? Uh, I would say a little over a year and a half. Okay. So it still depends on when, uh, the, if COVID continues on because 2021 might or might not happen. And I mean, hopefully things calm down a bit more or uh, they find ways that they can still, you know, have pubs open, have restaurants open, keep events yeah. going, have gigs and all yeah, that sort of thing yeah, so that people yeah. can, you know, live normal lives. But um if not, that's a real spanner in the works because I don't know what I'm going to... All right, well, I'm just running a marathon. I'm dressed as the thing. I, I, I Hopefully by then, we'll have the in-person races back. I, I'm yeah. hopeful that that'll be the case. So what would you say is the role... You know, you have your training and you have these goals that you're trying to set. So what would you say is the role that running's playing for you right now in your life? Well, at the moment, because I'm going through the chemo and the, the radiotherapy, the, the big big elements of that is that uh, I can't uh, train as much as I would like to in, it, like, you know, like in one way, but then not want to in another way because it, it does drain your strength. But then it's, it's a, it's a kind of like a fake tiredness because if you actually go out and start doing something um, other than it, being a bit more like oh come on yeah. and uh, <laughs> it, it is it doesn't affect how quickly you can actually go at a pace um so i'm looking forward to when i can get back into uh, my old groove which is coming back but at the moment it's still kind of frustrating not being able to like uh run with that sort of the the lightness the like the the air flowing feeling. yeah because like when you get into that it's you can just listen to whatever you want and everything is you know a graceful step and there's real beauty to the feeling of it so i'm looking forward to when that comes back and i'm sure it will 
but it's not quite there yet. These these thighs do not know how to do that yet. <laughs> they know how to do other stuff. Yeah. Well, it, it'll probably come back as quickly as, as the speech did. And, uh, it's as <laughs> I think what's, and I think what's interesting is I've never heard that before. Uh, where it's almost like your, your, your mind feels tired, but you can actually still get moving. It's not actually that your body can't do the movement. So I think that that's really, that's really interesting. So, you know, I think one of the big takeaways that I have from our conversation is that really, no matter what the adversity is, you can find those goals. You can find those other things that have meaning. You can just keep going and use running as a part of that. And so I'd love to know, you know, what would you say for listeners, for people who are, who are listening to this, who might feel like they have some of that adversity and they're not really sure, you know, they want to know, like, how can they use running to help them overcome that? I'm curious, what is the message you'd like to, to leave the listeners with? Like a big thing that I've always believed in with running. Um, and one of my, one of my mates has a, a great phrase that he's, uh, he said before where he's not actually that into running. He sort of uses running as a way to solve problems. Yeah. And so he says, um, all right, if you got a problem, go for a run. If you still have that problem, then you have to deal with it. If it's gone, <laughs> then, then it's gone. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it's so true though, isn't it? It You're really like, you know, is. It really is, yeah. And you go for a run and it's like, you know, hey, that, that doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, I know. Well, because that's what it's one of the things that I, I always ascribe to is that it really can be a healing activity and help you process through some of those thoughts. But then it kind of answers the question of like, well, what if it's still there after you're done? Well, then you got to deal with it. But I, there's so many other avenues that you can, um, you can just benefit from, from running. And I, I myself, I've got, a, uh, I've got a knee injury that I got from, um, I think, doing jujitsu. It, uh, it wasn't a 100%. It happened from that point. It was kind of progressively worse. But, and I, so I feel it like kind of not giving, but like, oh, that doesn't feel that great. And I am prepared for a time that my knee might blow. And if that happens, then there's still other ways that I could do it. I could just get in a chair and I could yeah. just um, do it as a, um, uh, as a wheelchair thing. And then, you know, silver lines to that. It would be a little bit different, but I'd have some pretty good looking arms by the end of that. So <laughs> that'd be nice. I know. Yeah. Use those fast twitch arm muscles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the hand cycle. Yeah. You end up looking like Bruce Lee or something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Ian, where can people find you and also donate to this goal? So the, uh, they're all sort of uh, interlinked with each other. If you go on to the ones that are used the most are the Facebook one. The Facebook is more for uh, a sort of a, a, daily, a daily record. So how did training go today? What am I doing tomorrow? Uh, what is the diet plan like? Uh, what's been holding me back what's been you know giving me motivation so the youtube one is um my nickname is liam because my mates are really uninventive and liam sounds like <laughs> ian <laughs> for no other reason than that so it's a uh, liam tw so liam tiberius ward uh, again more nicknames and um if you just, there's a few Liam TWs. So if you type in any word associated with 
running, marathon, cancer, charity, right. any of that, it, it'll pop straight up. And for the Facebook, it's um, cancer, not can't, sir. Mm, so mm-hmm. playing on a can and can't there. And both, uh, both channels have links to uh, each other. And they will also show you where you can get onto the donation page. It's, uh, it's with um, something called uh, Just Giving. So Just Giving is uh, justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash uh, Ian hyphen Ward. So I-A-I-N is mm-hmm. how my name's spelt uh, hyphen W-A-R-D. And then either the number two or three or four or five depending on if you want to give to the irish american uh australian or british okay. um cancer research they're all cancer research but uh, some people would rather it go to whatever their their currency is or just something that they know themselves personally yeah. well ian this was awesome i really enjoyed talking with you and i am so looking forward to keeping track and hearing how your training's going what video game character you're going to decide i think that's honestly i think i'll let people vote that in i reckon oh well be careful with that because then you're going to get the the one with the most clothes exactly yeah (laughs) or just like bowser or somebody yeah Yeah, and you got to bring the car, but not use. Yeah, the car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, it's been a pleasure to talk with you, Ian. I really appreciate it. And again, find Ian online, donate, and we look forward to hearing how your journey goes for the marathon. Yeah, great. Looking forward to it as well, man. Uh, hey, uh, right. maybe I'll come back on the podcast later down the line and give you some updates. Please, yes. We will we'll do that. So after the race or before in your training, I'd love to, to have you on for some updates. Yeah, definitely. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks again for joining us on the Run to Thrive podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you're interested in learning more about how you can live, lead, and run at your best, Visit coachingontherun.com and follow on Facebook and Instagram at Coaching on the Run. And if you like what you heard today on Run to Thrive, please leave a review and remember to subscribe to receive new episodes as soon as they're released. Until next time, I'll catch you on the run.